I'm sad that I'm here today because that means your pastor's not. And we've been praying for Jared and Heather and I know you are too. But I believe God has a word for us this morning. I've titled it a threefold question, a threefold answer, and a threefold charge. It's in John chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. I'll read that in a minute. But I'm sure many of you have uh, heard about the extended worship service, the extended worship gathering at Asbury University that took place, is taking place the last two weeks. And some are calling it a revival. I understand it is spreading to some other schools, continuing maybe at Asbury. My wife and I happened to be out in Kentucky two weeks ago when the media started reporting about Asbury uh, University and what was going on on the campus. And some encouraged us to drive 70 miles south to check it out. But can you imagine a little town like Remington having 10,000 visitors? And I didn't want to get into the middle of that. Some of you have seen the recent movie, Jesus Revolution. My wife saw it the other day. It's about the movement of God that occurred a long time ago, way back in the 60s and 70s. And some of you might remember that. And some hope that what is going on on Asbury University campus is the spark to another movement like that. A, a movement centered around the gospel. But what is the gospel? If someone were to ask you to explain the gospel, could you? Interestingly, I'm headed to the nation of India in April to investigate ministry over there, and we're going to be explaining, I've been told to some people who've never heard the gospel, what the gospel is. And I even though I've been a minister for years, I'm sitting in the last weeks going, uh, how do I tell people what the gospel is? Fifty years ago, there was this little pamphlet called Four Spiritual Laws. And in that pamphlet, the gospel was explained in four succinct statements. Some of you know that pamphlet. It starts off by saying, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Uh-huh. Sure. Why is all this happening to me? 
Second statement says, but sin has separated us from God and from his plan. So God has a problem. He loves us, but sin separates us from his plan. However, God took care of that problem by sending Jesus to die on a cross, to shed his blood, to pay for the penalty of my sins. And if I accept that gift, God will adopt me into his family. I will become a child of God. And God used the four spiritual laws years ago in my life. to change me, to open my eyes to truth. But, but the question is, what is your understanding of the gospel? And in the New Testament book of John, we have a portrait of the gospel that is brilliant, beautiful, we're going to take a look at that this morning. Let me read John chapter 21, verses 12 through 17. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he had raised them from he, he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him the second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And now there are some who believe that the original gospel of John ended in chapter 20. The last two verses of chapter 20 read this way. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Sounds like a closing summary, doesn't it? But if John had ended his gospel with chapter 20, we would have been left wondering what happened to Peter who swore to defend his Lord with his life and then 
hours later, vehemently denied even knowing him. Not once, but three times. If John had not written chapter 21, There would have been a a number of questions left unanswered, but the, the most important question for us would be, what happened to the apostle Peter between John chapter 18, verse 5, and Acts chapter 2, verse 14? Because when we sin, When we fall short of our confession, it is the tactic of the devil to condemn us and to suggest that we have forfeited our privilege to be used by God, or even worse, that we have forfeited the right to be called children of God. But the devil is a liar. And so the question is, what happened to this man who denied even knowing Jesus and yet became the most significant voice for the proclamation of the gospel in the opening chapters of the book of Acts? What happened in between Peter's denial of even knowing Jesus and his great defense of the gospel some 40 days later? It's a crucial question because there are some listening today who are wondering if God can ever, will ever forgive them or use them ever again. And here, in what some call John's addendum to his gospel, uh, we see an important spiritual principle that sums up the message of Christ, that really sums up the gospel, and it is this. Your worst days are never so bad that you are beyond the reach of God's grace. And your best days are never so good that you are beyond the need of God's grace. If you read through the 21st chapter of John, you will see that the first 14 verses of this chapter deal with the the disciples in general being reconciled to Christ and how our Lord tenderly reminds them of their calling and of his eternal commitment to them. But, But now, the spotlight turns to Peter, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of God, do you love me more than these? Scripture tells us that 
Jesus had already appeared to Simon at least once previously or privately after his resurrection. Uh, if you are taking notes and want to hunt that down, Luke chapter 24, verse 34, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5. And many believe that Christ certainly forgave Peter in, in that previous encounter. But regardless of what may have happened in that meeting, the other disciples needed to hear Peter's reaffirmation of his love for Christ and Christ's restoration of Peter so that they would be willing to follow him, support him going forward. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Uh, then feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Then tend my sheep. And then a third time. Simon, son of John, uh, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. Then Feed my sheep. A threefold question, a threefold answer, and a threefold charge. And we're going to briefly look at each one of those this morning. First, however, we must ask why did Jesus call him Simon? Wasn't his name Peter? Remember, Jesus had given this man, Peter, the name Simon, or excuse me, this man, Simon, the nickname Peter, when they first met back in John chapter 1, verse 42. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. And who can forget that moment that Jesus confirmed that prediction, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said to them, whom do you say that I am? And remember, Simon re replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Simon the little pebble became a boulder. The rock upon which the church is built. However, at times, Peter needed correction. He needed training. And Jesus would call him Simon, not Peter. Matthew 17, 25, Mark 14, 37, Luke 22, 31, over and over. One commentator says, it is as if our Lord called Peter by his former name when he was acting like his former self. 
And so here, by addressing him with this name, Simon, Jesus is reminded or in effect saying to this man, Simon, remember who you are. Remember the weakness of your flesh. Remember where you were before I called you. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Brothers and sisters, we must never forget from whence we came. And this threefold question was meant to remind Peter of his threefold denial. Three times he had declared, I never knew the man. And now Jesus forces him to declare three times, Lord, you, you know me. You know that I love you. But let's take a closer look at this threefold question. Simon, do you love me? And I hope you notice that the form of the first question is unlike the second and the third. Verse 15, Simon, do you love me more than these others? Some believe that Jesus was pointing to the, to the boats and the nets, and he was asking Simon, Simon, do you love me more than fishing? Now, not according to the context here. According to the context, Jesus is reminding Peter, Peter that he had boasted proudly just hours before, I know him. I'll give my life for you. Do you remember? We read in Matthew 26. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away, because I will never fall away. And now Jesus is asking Simon, are you going to take that stand again? But what we have here is our Lord compassionately forcing a man to take a hard look at his past failures, to consider each and every detail of his past. And to say to him, look, look. And then to ask, in spite of that, do you still love me? Do you really love me? 
One might have uh, one might have suspected or expected Jesus to say, Simon, son of John, are you sorry for what you did? Or Simon, son of John, will you promise never to turn your back on me again? Uh, but he doesn't. Why? Well, the answer is because these things, loyalty and humility, will come if the other is there. Loyalty and humility will come if the heart is right. Now, you may know that the first two times that Jesus posed this question to Simon, he used the, the Greek word agape, which is translated in the NIV. Do you truly love me, Simon? And each time Peter answered, Lord, you know that I love you. Using a, a, another Greek word, phileo, meaning friendship or brotherly love. Lord, you know, I, I, I'm your brother. However, the, the third time, instead of using the word agape, Jesus changes the word and he uses the word phileo, the same word that Peter's been using to indicate that he had heard Simon's heart cry. And so the third question is really the question, Simon, do you care about me as a brother? Am I your friend? And while many scholars see little significance in suggesting that the word agape and phileo are interchangeable, Others believe that Peter's answers show his hesitancy to respond to, to Jesus on this deeper level that his questions imply. And that the change in wording that Jesus uses breaks Simon's heart. No, he's no longer asking, do you love me like God? He's asking, are you my friend? And Simon was grieved, broken, disturbed greatly over the change of words. But there's an interesting nuance in this exchange that is largely overlooked even by most commentators. And it has to do with Peter's threefold answer. Lord, you know that I love you. In verses 15 and 16, Peter uses the Greek word oda, or oida, excuse me, that is translated no. And that particular word implies an, an intellectual acceptance of the facts. Today is Sunday, and the lights are on. Acknowledgement of fact. However, in his third response, 
In Peter's third response to Jesus's questions, Simon uses a different, a stronger word. He uses the word gnosko. That means a knowledge that is gained through personal experience. It carries a deep emotional tie. He's no longer saying, uh, Lord, you, you know who I am. You, you've, I've walked with you for three years. You've seen my ups. You've seen my downs. You know me. No, now he's saying, Lord, you know me. Lord, you know if I love you. It is as if Simon was saying, Lord, you've known me from the beginning. Lord, I'm, I'm Simon, the son of John, remember? Lord, you have watched me for more than three years. Lord, you have taught me. You have corrected me. You have prayed for me. You have warned me. You've forgiven me. Lord, you know all about me. And you know what I feel about my love in this. That, that I am far from loving you, Lord, as, as I ought and as you are worthy. But Lord, in spite of my failures, in spite of my present weaknesses, Lord, you, you know my heart. And here's the irony in Simon's answer. Jesus previously had warned Peter that he would deny knowing him. And Peter, remember? Oh, no, no, no. You don't know who I am. No, you don't know what's in me. No, I'll never deny you. And now, he doesn't boast. He doesn't make some great statement of, of who he is. He just says, Lord, you know me. Lord, you know what I'm capable of and not. And here, on the shores of Galilee, standing beside that charcoal fire, it appears that Peter had learned not to dispute the Lord's knowledge of what was going on in his head and in his heart. Lord, do you know me? Interesting. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said, You know me, Lord. You see me, and you test my heart towards you. The point is, we can love Jesus on a number of levels. We can love him as a friend or as an example, or as a Savior, 
or as the Lord. However, the love that proves itself is the devotion that motivates us to faithfully follow him, obey him in action. Not just say it, but do it. Look quickly with me at Christ's threefold charge to Peter. Uh, verse 15, feed my lambs. Verse 16, feed my, tend my sheep. Verse 17, feed my sheep. Catch something here. God does not save us just to punch our ticket to go to heaven. God has called us to good works that he has planned before us. He has called us to ministry. Again, some have made much out of the variations of the terms used here, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And some believe that lambs are new converts and sheep are the, the older ones. Others argue over these, what does the word tending and feeding mean? What's the difference and what does that mean? But let's make it simple. The common denominator in Jesus' charge to Peter three times is simply the word, my. Jesus was simply saying, Peter, I want you to be a shepherd like me, so take care of my flock. Take care of my children. Make them your highest concern. Peter, do you love me? Then feed and discipline and train up and love those who believe. Peter, take care of my church. Are you doing that? Are you loving one another? Are you bearing with one another when you might not agree on certain things? Are you diligently guarding the unity of the body of Christ? Peter, do you love me? then take care of my flock. God is asking that same question to each one of us today. And yes, we can say, Lord, you know, you know my heart. And I believe each one of us needs to say, Lord, help me to do what you ask. Help me to love you. It's not in me to do that. 
Help me to love your church, to feed your sheep, to tend. I can't do it on my own. Our Lord says this morning, do you love me? The question is, how will you respond today, this week? Pray with me. Father, you know us, each of us individually. The deepest disappointments, the anger, the frustrations in life, And you come in the midst of our questioning and rebellion and say, I love you. Do you love me? Lord, help us to do just that. To walk humbly before you. And to love you and your church with all of our hearts and minds and souls. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.